how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to the Creative Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. Over the past 200-plus episodes, I've had the good fortune of speaking with dozens of screenwriters, actors, and directors, such as Aaron Sorkin, Mel Brooks, Carrie Fukunaga, Whitney Cummings, Michael Imperioli, and William Monaghan, among others. We've dissected ideas on story, character, filmmaking, habits, and various principles for creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also find several of these interviews on the Creative Screenwriting Magazine website, in addition to some that aren't available in audio, such as with Nick Kroll or Stephen Merchant. In addition to the podcast, also make sure to search for the new video essay series on YouTube, also called Creative Principles, where we take a deep dive into movies and television. Join millions of viewers for subjects like the 16 personalities expressed as characters, Did Home Alone Rowan John Hughes' Career, The Greatest Movie Never Made, and How Jackie Chan Creates Perfection Through Failure, among many more. That's Creative Principles on YouTube. Anna Winger has done a little bit of everything. She got her start in photography, where she did some commercial work and some documentary work, then wrote a novel. But if you have to summarize her career, she's a storyteller. The screenwriter-producer known for Deutschland 83, 86, and 89 is also the creator of the new Netflix series Unorthodox. Her latest project is the story of a young ultra-Orthodox Jewish woman who flees her arranged marriage and religious community to start a new life abroad. In this interview, Winger describes her journey from photographer to novelist to screenwriter, trusting intuitive instincts, writing her first screenplay at age 40, an interest in humor and curiosity in her work, and her fish-out-of-water formula for finding intriguing characters. You can also look for the print version of this interview on Creative Screenwriting's website. Well, you know, my I was a photographer for most of my career, um, and over the years, I, I was doing documentary work and artwork, but also I did a lot of commercial work. Um, you know, I guess I, it always felt to me like I was engaged in storytelling anyway. I I mean, I, it really happened by chance that I became a screenwriter. I think I would have just stayed as a photographer because I really liked it. But when my kids were little, I, I wrote a novel. I mean, my, my path to this is so bizarre. So, um you know, when I used to travel all the time for my work, and when I had kids uh, in my mid-30s, then I was living in Berlin. I was I had come from New York, which, of course, is like the first market in the world, and I was living in a place <clears throat> where most of the work I was doing was elsewhere. And so I decided to stop for a while and write a novel because I wanted to be closer to home, actually. And years writing a novel and it was the first thing I ever wrote and I really enjoyed the process and um but it was quite isolating you know photography is a lot like making it's a lot like show running you know there's you're involved in casting and travel and locations and 
you've got, you know, makeup and costume and, you know, it's like a three ring circus on set in a really similar way to show running. And, um, so after I wrote the novel, I, my husband is a TV producer and he, he suggested that I write a screenplay. And it's funny because he suggested it a few times and I always thought like, mm, you know, that's what you do. And I do something different. Um, and then I had the idea for Deutschland and it was, and my husband said, well, you know, that's a really good idea. So if, if you can actually write that, then I will produce it. And that that's my first uh, TV show. And so um, I worked on that and, you know, he was an incredible teacher. Like he kind of told me how to write a screenplay, um, you know, cause you have to remember I'm American and I live in Germany. So there wasn't the option of taking a class or something like that. This wasn't really how would I have done that, you know? So he was actually really instrumental in explaining something to me about just basic things. But he also said something really important, which was to trust um, that I had absorbed a lot of it intuitively already because we watched so much TV together since he was a TV producer. And also um, we had always been like crazy movie movie buffs. And and I actually majored in film at Columbia. So I, I had studied film as an undergrad, but then since then I had worked as a photographer. So with Deutschland, it was really like, that was the first time, I don't know, suddenly I felt like everything I'd ever done in my life was brought together in that process because it was a lot like photography, but it was also a lot like writing a novel. And um, I just took to it like a fish to water. It really, it really made sense to me because it was this kind of visual storytelling and um, but the production part was also really familiar to me and, um, you know, working with the actors and post-production, like there was all these parts of it, which, which is what it's like to be a photographer. So yeah, that, that's, that's my funny story, which should be inspiring to people because I didn't ever write anything until I had children. And, um, you know, I, I never wrote a screenplay before I was 40. I think I've got a lot of questions from that. Let me just get to a couple. So was there anything um, specific that you brought with you from your photography to your novel writing? Like one example that I was thinking when you were talking is that you you can freeze time in a similar way with novels as you can photography. Um, Was there anything specific the way you changed something you learned from photography into your novel writing? You know, what's interesting is for me, it really felt like a continuation of something I was already doing in the sense that my, I mean, what you would call as a photographer vision was really similar to my voice as a writer. And, you know, as a photographer, I used a lot of, um, I was always interested in documentary subjects. I was interested in cultures I didn't know. I was interested in going to new places and kind of photographing things that were, you know, uh, that I, that learning through taking the pictures and, um, but there was also some humor in my pictures and a kind of curiosity in them. Um, I liked them to be a little bit messy. <laughs> and when I started to write, uh, it, you know, I think it really came from the same place. So that was, uh, it felt very organic to me. It's just that writing is something you do entirely alone. And, well, let's say writing a novel is something you do entirely alone. And that did not feel quite so normal, although it was a nice thing to do when I had babies because 
I could write when they were sleeping, but um, it wasn't, you know, there was the funny part for me, let's say the, the voice part and the kind of trans storytelling part felt very organic. We connected, you know, it just felt like a different medium, but the, uh, the process, you know, there was no other process. You know, when you write a novel, it's just you and the computer and then you writing and then it's over. Whereas with a script, uh, you know, there's all these different parts of it, which is very similar to photography. You know, when you do a photography project or, or even a commercial, um, you know, there's the planning, there's the casting, there's the conceiving of it, there's locations, there's the whole build up to it. And then there's this whole editorial process afterwards. So um, I, I think I missed that. And then I found it again in screenwriting. So you're kind of able to break up the novel into similar pieces that you were already familiar with as far as like what stages and everything. Yeah, well, the novel writing, I think, didn't have the different stages, and that I found kind of difficult And in the sense that there was, I remember, with I've only written one novel, and I wrote it three times in full, like from beginning to end, and then I got notes, and then I did it again, and then I did it again. And the stretch of writing a novel, you know, it was just six months or a year or whatever of just sitting down at the computer and doing it every day. Um, there was no other part of it. And... Uh, you know, but the let's say the the subject matter and the voice in it, I think, is not so different from my screenplays. And, and what's funny is that sometimes people watch my projects and then they read my novel and they often say, like, "Oh yeah, it sounds like you," <laughs> which is nice. I've never read it again. I have to admit, since it was published, and it was published twelve years ago, so it was a long time ago. But uh, but it's always charming that people say that. You know, I think it's interesting. And the, the novel is about a guy, I mean, it, ha, it has a film-related subject because it's about a guy who, it, it takes place in the dubbing industry in Germany um, because, you know, for Germans are very good at dubbing and they use the same voice for each American character for their whole life. So there's all these people who have done, you know, Julia Roberts their whole life or Tom Cruise their whole life. Um, and my character did Tom Cruise. And it was kind of about this guy who identified with the United States in his imagination. And um, that's what the book is about. And so it had a kind of comic element. And, um, you know, it was about intercultural stuff, you know, <laughs> a fish out of water, you know, stuff that interests me. So you mentioned, so when you made the jump to screenplays, you talked to your husband, you realized some of it was intuitive. Uh, what what were some other questions you might have asked? Were there any misconceptions you had about screenwriting? Well, yeah, I think one thing that's really interesting, and I often tell this to people who are working in my writer's rooms, is that structure is your friend. You know, I think there's this idea that to be artistic with, with a process, there should be no infrastructure or no plan, Right. And I think the surprise for me when I really started to look at uh, films that I loved and TV shows that I loved and specific episodes that I loved of TV shows was to see that there was a, there was structure in them, you know, and the structure wasn't necessarily that different from one to the next. It was that structure allowed you allowed the writers to put the put on to hang on that structure all the things that interested them, and that once there was this kind of dramaturgical propulsion built in through the structure, then they had all this creative freedom. And for me, initially, that was counterintuitive because, you know, novel writing, 
and even photography have kind of no given structure, whereas movie writing and episodic uh, television have, you know, especially horizontal storytelling where there's this kind of, you know, bingeable, propulsive engine, you know, have a lot more uh, sort of, it's like a, I mean, you know, I've never taken a class in this. I'm probably going to describe it wrong and then you'll, you'll tell me there's a better word for it. But it's as if there's like a skeleton in it, you know, there's like an infrastructure built uh, or a scaffolding inside it. And um, at first, when he explained that to me, I was sort of dismissive, like, oh, no, you know, I, I'm going to tell a radical story or I'm going to do something my own way. And, and he kept saying, yeah, but, you know, if you watch things that you really like, you'll see that they, that they have that structure and that that's, that's useful to you. Like, don't ignore me, you know. And, um, and once I started watching things from the point of view of, as a writer, I did actually find that very helpful. So you saw it. I mean, when you speak with people, do you find that creative people who want to kind of just, you know, start with no outline, do you, do they find it limiting on the creativity? Well, you know, I've, I've experienced many different, you know, I'm, I both have writers who work for me in, in various rooms, but I also uh, sometimes executive produce other people's shows. And we often have these conversations, you know, like where certain people will resist that or they, they claim they don't see it. But I also think it's, uh, I usually think they're wrong. Um, let's say I always think they're wrong or they eventually have to come around and see what I mean, because I think they see it as a limitation, but I, I, I see it as kind of liberating. So, um, because sometimes things can become very messy very quickly. And then the creativity also gets bogged down by that mess, you know? So it's, if there isn't one way to free yourself creatively, you know, it's a, it's a process. And I think one of the challenges of screenwriting for television is the collective decision-making process. You know, the kind of conversation around what you're doing is really different from writing a novel or probably even than writing a film. I've never written a film, but, uh, you know, there is, you're, you're in dialogue with other people as you're writing. So in a way, uh, structure gives you a tool to talk about the work, if nothing else. And I, and I find that very useful in, in my collaboration. When you're approaching a project as a writer or producer, what are some of the criteria you look for in terms of maybe genre or certain elements within the story? You know, I'm really interested in stuff that, that I don't, in stories that, that kind of hook me, that I don't know everything about, that kind of resonate with me in some way. Um, of course, I relate to all my characters in ways that might not be visible to, you know, to the outside world. You know, I've never been a, a Stasi agent or a Hasidic bride, but I somehow relate to their curiosity about the world and their kind of experiences as fishes, fishes, fish out of water uh, abroad. Um, and so I think I'm drawn to narratives that I relate to in some way, but also that are sort of set in very specific places and um, contexts, you know, and I'm also, I'm really interested in news and history and in, just to explain my own circumstance, you know, I'm American, obviously, but I've been living abroad. I've been living in Germany for 17 years and um, I lived abroad a lot growing up. My parents are anthropologists, so I was often kind of a fish out of water, so I suppose I'm drawn to those stories, but um with Unorthodox specifically, uh, the woman who wrote the memoir 
is a mom at school. Like our kids go to school together here. So we got to know each other privately and, um, and I read the book and I loved it. Um, and then at some point in our friendship, she said, well, why don't you make a TV show out of my book? Um, and because I'm not, I had never worked from existing material before. I'd only, you know, with Deutschland 83, I, I just make it all up. So it was kind of, a, um, at first, I mean, I love the book, but at first it was really challenging because a, a memoir is such a, you know, it, it's so much in her mind. It was hard for me to see it, to act, activate it, right? And then she and I agreed that she she also said she didn't mind what we did with it. And if we changed it around and kind of broke it apart to build something new out of it, because I guess I, I see books and uh, screenplays, uh, TV shows as, as really different animals. So... I don't think I, I would be able to sort of adapt a book one-to-one -one with a screenplay. Um, and I had been talking with Alexa Karolinski, who's a documentary filmmaker, who is from Germany and is Jewish and um, made a couple of movies about her family life that I really loved, that really spoke to the German-Jewish experience. And I had wanted to collaborate with her on another idea that I had had that was about well, it spoke to that as well. And somehow this became that project. Like we decided to merge the ideas and and kind of make unorthodox into, into a journey that also exists, a journey back into the belly of the beast. You know, like here's this young woman and she, in order to free herself, she returns to the source of her community's trauma, which is the Holocaust, which of course leads back to Berlin. And, um, you know, so which gave us Alexa and me a chance to, you know, also work through some of the things we had been talking about around uh, Jewish diaspora experience, around post-Holocaust experience, um, around the condition of, of Jews in Germany and the kind of the ways in which modern life uh, resonates with our sort of collective history here. So. Um, and and the thing about the Satmar of Williamsburg is that they it's a community that was primarily founded by Holocaust survivors from Europe, um, and who who whose lives were very much informed by that trauma. And because Deborah was raised by her grandparents, you know her story, her childhood experience was also very informed by that trauma. And she's also you know, a Jew who lives in Germany now. Um, so everything sort of comes full circle in a way that was really a key part of the conversations around how to adapt the story. How did you decide on creating the length for this, like four episodes? Like what kind of narrowed that down? Was that something you talked about early on or is that in the writing process? Actually, that's something I discussed with Netflix early on, um, in part because we decided in the writing process to focus on one part of the book, which is this arranged marriage. You know, the book the book is wonderful and everybody should read it. And it, it really is about her entire life, including her early childhood, all the way through university and everything. But we decided to use from the book the story of this basically failed marriage, you know, and we, we really wanted to make a romantic a tragedy in a way. <laughs> and... Um, but everything that happens from the moment she leaves home, we made up. So we made all of that up. We also activated the husband, who's not really a character in the book. And we made up Moisha, 
and 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 pretty much everything else we made up. So we really, from the book, we focused on these two very young people who come together with a lot of hope for their future and just cannot make it work. Um, and that for us was the engine, you know, of the story was, was, you know, will they make it or will they not make it? And, and what does it mean if they don't make it? And is it, and, and how are these two people both going to be changed by this journey? You know, cause it's not, it's her journey primarily, but it's also his. Um, and, uh, you know, I have a tendency towards the kind of thriller engine. So I, uh, I think that the kind of hunt for SD uh, became a kind of propulsive to the story. But, you know, the journey of, it's a journey of self-discovery. Um, you know, I joke that Deutschland is basically a coming-of-age story disguised as a spy story. And this is a little bit of a um, thriller disguised as a romantic tragedy. <laughs> um, so I think that genre mix is a lot of fun uh, to bring some of the elements that work into a story and, and make something new with that. But, uh, but yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I think the, the idea of doing four hours felt really manageable to me. You know, this is the first project I produced myself. Uh, I have my own company it's called Studio Airlift in Berlin. And this is the first project that I, you know, I, I wanted it to be something I could really wrap my arms around completely, you know. And um, we are, we're still making Deutschland, so that was also something that I was, I'm less involved with the third season, but I, you know, I couldn't, I, I, I didn't want, I wanted something I could do really thoroughly as a writer producer. And, um, and so four hours felt right to me and to Netflix. And, you know, now it seems like it was a, you know, easy sell and everything, but it is in Yiddish, right? <laughs> so it was definitely, I mean, what was cool was that Netflix just got behind it right away. Like they were totally down with it being Yiddish and they never, uh, tried to influence the creative process in any kind of negative way. It was really a great collaboration with uh, Rachel Egebein, who was uh, the person I work with at Netflix. But it was challenging to find actors who could work in Yiddish. You know, there was there were certain built-in challenges to making a show um, that is basically a contemporary costume drama, you know, uh, in a foreign language that nobody speaks. <laughs> so I think somehow four hours was was the, it seemed like the manageable amount. Um, and then once we had decided to do four hours, it was really juicy because then, you know, you're just going to go for it. You know, it's like every episode is going to be, you know, really as juicy as possible. And we wanted everyone to cry and laugh and like want to move to Berlin and want to fall in love and want them to make it and want her to find other people. And, you know, we wanted people to really go for it. And, you know, then we found this like amazing group of actors, we brought you know, these amazing actors together who were just such a pleasure to work with and uh and everybody kind of gave it their all for four hours um i think we got everything is there anything we missed or uh, any advice you'd like to pass on to future writers uh, and producers yeah i guess i would only say that like if you really believe in something and you really have a strong desire to tell a story then then that's the story you know because things only seem like an obvious choice after they're popular, you know. It's really like, believe me, this was, you know, my crazy art project. It, it didn't, it didn't sound. It was. It's always difficult to communicate how you see something until you've made it, you know. And uh, 
you know, when you bring a crazy bear, you you have to find the village to make the project, right? And and I was so it was so fun and you know to work with this group of people. And so I think you know, you've got to find the crazy people who are up for doing the same get help up for going on the same adventure, right? But it's never formulaic. It really, I think everyone's got to really feel it for the story and, uh, and then make it happen. And that is our show. Thanks again for tuning in. If it's your first time, make sure to hit that subscribe button on SoundCloud or iTunes. Also check out the new video essay series on YouTube called Creative Principles and give us a review. That's one of the best ways to help share these interviews. Thanks again.